you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. Today's episode is supported by Kronos. No one compliments you when their paycheck is correct, but make one mistake and you risk alienating your entire workforce. Kronos makes sure that your payroll is done right the first time from punch to paycheck. Embedded checklists, simplified workflows, a single source of truth. Learn more at Kronos.com slash payroll. Kronos, K-R-O-N-O-S dot com slash payroll. Kronos, workforce innovation that works. The Around the NFL podcast is controlled completely by the loose cannon. Welcome back. To another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Now, now we know that Ricky Hollywood behind the glass is feeding money some of these tags. No doubt about that. Mystery solved. And maybe we need to start regulating these. That's the other thought I had there. Feels like a lot of extra effort. I'm okay with the occasional slight. (laughs) Yeah. I think being lazy and just getting what we get is the better option. Well, okay. Maybe we'll just roll with it. Um, this is the week five version flagship program of the Around the NFL podcast where we go through all of the action from Sunday. Uh, and it was a, another fun day of football, Mark Sessler. By the way, two teams still undefeated. Both got dubs today. And here's a fun fact, Mr. Sessler. All right. The Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets, Mm. both victorious today. We'll get to that in a little bit. First time these teams have been victorious on the same day since December 13th. 1984. (laughs) Not quite, but close. (laughs) 2015. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Almost three years, Mark. It's a testament to to you and I singularly. uh, The hardship that we've gone through here at the workplace yet continue to be professional in the shows that we do, often three shows plus a video show, countless YouTube hits, endless articles that go into a black hole. I Listen, it's just we've dealt with nothing but uh, ill-at-ease results, and we continue to rage on I, like I, total pros. Dan, it's a credit to you and also to me. I'm pretty point. sure that's the last time the Browns won a game on a Sunday period. 
Just happened. Well, it is. I would say, I mean, the that's Jets 36 been, straight. That's an underrated right. The Jets no, have not won. been a raging success, but the Browns have oh, not right. handled their part of the business. Because in 2016, they won on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, on Christmas Eve. Right. Uh, 2016. Uh, it's all good. And, and speaking of being a warrior, I'm under the weather right now, but I got to keep just pushing through mm. because that's what the listeners deserve. That uh, Just... The four of us together talking the American football. When game. we have a moment and we don't, do, we can get into the games. There, I, I kind of think I know what's going on with your health. <clears throat> okay, let me know when you want to get to that. Uh, but why don't we get to football? Let's talk about some football games that were played on Sunday, and let's start with a rematch of the NFC Championship game. Wentz goes back to pass. He's looking low. Oh, intercepted! It's in the air, and it's oh, Lindball. Look at Lindball rumble. Thirty, <laughs> twenty. Yes, Paul Allen, KFAN. And uh, Erica, when I say can make sure we clip that off to put that in consideration, I mean it because that's a great one because you had a fat guy touchdown. Linval Joseph returned a fumble 64 yards for a score. Kirk Cousins threw for 301 and a touch. And the Minnesota Vikings beat the Philadelphia Eagles 23-21. A huge road win. For a Vikings team that's had a, a rough couple of weeks, both on and off the field, Greg Rosenthal, let's start there. Uh, a fascinating game that I could go in a million directions to start, but I think you have to start with Kirk Cousins, who is playing some of the best football of his career, despite the Vikings' record. That's three games I count now where Cousins was just next level special. The the throws that he made today under heavy pressure. Once again, the Vikings offensive line struggled throughout the game and Cousins made throw after throw into tight windows. It's like him, Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs are just putting this team on their backs. And I, I don't know if that's a recipe that can work over the course of a season. The defense certainly played better in spots today, but really I think it was the Eagles more shooting themselves in the foot. Cousins was ultimately the best player on the field and they deserve to win. He made that one. Oh. Ouch. Who we got? That, oh, that was me. Oh, was me. Greggy. Oof. Greggy's in trouble. You didn't even remember because you had so much fun watching this game. It, it was a good. <laughs> it was a good game. I, I think I said before the year my my uh, New Year's resolution for the new football year was not to take undue pride in any correct uh, predictions. Uh, which is good. So I haven't made any correct predictions, and so that's really it's really come through for me. What a point of growth for you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you think? Why are you surprised? Because obviously you're so confident in the Eagles that you picked them as your lock of the week, which went against you. Why? Why weren't they able to do the things you thought they were going to do? I mean, I wasn't remotely confident in, in that. Like I just they set you up to get into the next point <laughs> of the game. <laughs> they 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 made a ton of unforced errors. Uh, Wendell Smallwood dropped a pass at the one-yard line, which would have been about first, Big drop. first and goal inside the five. Jay Ajayi just dropped the ball inside the 10-yard line without getting tackled when the offensive line of the Eagles started really moving the Vikings, which they did really throughout the whole second half of the game. Uh, and then they had, I think, five or six pre-snap penalties. It was just like a, really a sloppy performance in a lot of ways. But. Their running backs and wide receivers haven't played well this year, and Carson Wentz has been hit 27 times in three games. The offensive line isn't protecting him well. And he got walloped on the Linval Joseph score. And you see that each game against the Titans last week. The, it's a, it was another example of the middle of that line opening up, and Wentz is right there to be hit. And in that case, it was Lane Johnson, the right tackle. That's two forced fumbles he's allowed in the last two weeks. Steven Weatherly started at 
defensive end for the Vikings. They only had two defensive ends active for that game, and he had a very good game. They, they were running out of gas by the end, but, but the Vikings in their offense made the key drive when it mattered, and Dane Bailey hit a clutch field goal ultimately. He did. He struggled away. earlier in the game and then made the 52-yarder that essentially salted this away. Um, the Vikings have struggled for most of the season. Now they're 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Kirk Cousins, Wes, we, we talked about it. We did a Sky Sports hit earlier today. He has not been the problem at all. In fact, he has been worth the investment and uh, and then some. Uh, the running game continues to be an issue. No Dalvin Cook, uh, who is sidelined in this game again. I feel like that's the missing piece here. If they can get Cook on track and healthy and add a running game to the passing game, and I think the defense will be okay and the Vikes could be fine. But we're not all the way there yet, but this was a really good start for them. Yeah, 2-2-1, two, two and one, same record as the Packers, just a little bit behind the Bears. And that division's up for grabs. The the Vikings, both the Vikings and the Eagles are in fine shape because nobody's running away with these divisions. Right. All of these games that both of these teams played have come down a couple weird plays. Like that Linval Joseph play was a great play. It happened to pop up in the air, and he goes and gets it. But one play by the Vikings that wasn't lucky was Harrison Smith breaking up a third and 20 in the fourth quarter with just a sensational breakup of Alshon Jeffrey. The Eagles in a decided to punt instead of going for a long field goal. That was kind of the one defensive leader type of play that made the difference for them to win. That's a that's a six-point game at that point. If he completes that, it's probably, right. what, fourth and one right at the 20-yard line, and it could be a totally different game. You're right, Greg. Let's move on. Portals will run a screen. It's intercepted. It's picked out of the sky. It's picked at 10-5. Touchdown, Kansas City. Chris Jones. A flag thrown on the play, but Chris Jones. <laughs> Mitch Holtis, KCFX, with the call. The Chiefs' porous defense forced Jacksonville quarterback Blake Bortles into five turnovers, including uh, that pick six you just heard from Chris Jones. The Chiefs cruised to a 30-14 win over the Jaguars. Chris Wessling, this was a very ty- uh, different type of win for the Chiefs, and you imagine it was a refreshing change of pace for Mr. Andy Reid. It was different. It was Patrick Mahomes' worst game. That's not to say he played terribly. Uh, He made some great throws throughout the game, but he also had two interceptions. First time he's been intercepted all year. They just have so many weapons. And um, you're going to hear people say that this was a vintage performance from Blake Bortles. That's lazy analysis. It was anything but vintage. Usually when he falls apart, his mechanics are so bad that he can't complete basic passes. He threw some of the most gorgeous passes in this game he's thrown all season and maybe in his career. Mm. He threw for a career-high 430 yards. He just had a handful of bad turnovers, but he actually threw pretty well in this game. Well, I think what would probably be vintage was the nature of some of the turnovers. A pick six where he seemed to be almost like flicking it to the other team. A uh, terrible red zone interception where he threw it off his offensive lineman's helmet and it was deflected for a pick. Those are the type of things that you associate with Blake Bortles. Right. When you see the highlights, that would back up the opinion that it's vintage. I'm just saying if you see the whole game, he threw some really good passes in this game, which normally doesn't happen when he has a bad game. It's pretty rare to turn the ball over four times in a quarter. It, oh, that, one of them was on downs, one's a fumble, two interceptions, but that you just don't see that too right, often. Right, that sequence late in the second quarter where they turn the ball over on downs right at the goal line, and then D. Ford forces a fumble. I don't even put that one on Blake Bortles, but then right after that, the pick six, which might be the, the shortest pick six in NFL history as far as air yards thrown. <laughs> And then another interception in the end zone off of off the guy's helmet. So it was that 
that sequence really killed the Jaguars. You just don't see the Jaguars give up 30 points in a game and, and go wire to wire without getting, you know, filleted they were there by Travis Kelsey. Was it the Miles Jack on Kelsey thing, which you mentioned in your write-up, the key factor here? I felt bad for, for Miles Jack because it's got to be hell to be covering Travis Kelsey and then peeking into the backfield to see what they're doing with Tyreek Hill on pre-snap motion. You have to be disciplined enough to guard against that and then hang with Travis Kelsey. And then even if you stay with him step for step, Pat, Patrick Mahomes just delivers a perfect strike and there's nothing it, you can I mean, do. It just feels like welcome to the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. Right, right. No linebacker can do that. And that's kind of what we're seeing with Sean McVay or Andy Reid. Whoever can get their matchups of their top receivers on the linebackers, they're just being able to scheme that before the play even starts. You can't stop that. You can't stop it. You I'm nervous it. about uh... – the Jags. I'm always looking for some, who's going to take out the Patriots in the playoffs. And we already saw earlier in the season, uh, we saw in the playoffs, uh, Miles, Jack, Miles Jack got robbed. Uh, they can do it, but they keep shooting themselves in their foot. The foot. And yes, um, Wes, you're saying that Bortles played much better than the turnovers indicate. But they went, they went to KC and they just weren't up to the task against the Chiefs. I, mean, I feel like the team beatable. that took out the Jaguars is the team that could also potentially take out the Patriots in the playoffs that the Patriots even get to them at this thing. Well, they, they play win. each other next week, Chiefs-Patriots on Sunday night football. And this was kind of a game that I think could matter in the AFC standings at the end of the year, a bit of a separation game. Because now the now the Chiefs are at 5-0. and We think the Jaguars are going to be a playoff type of team. Now they're two games up on the Jaguars. They, they are a tough home team. I do think they're a different team at home than on the road. So if they could get a bye, that would be big for them. Wait, do the Patriots have back-to-back primetime home games? Why would you not dish that up if you could possibly as a schedule maker? Why would you not go down the road? Well, it's very common. At this point, I'm on the road. It's very common to do back-to-back primetime games. That's kind of what the NFL does, but yeah, they're both at home. To be clear, I'm not saying that Blake Bortles had a good game. I'm just saying it's lazy analysis to say that it was mm. just like all of his other It matches, wasn't right? a cliche, comically awful, but yes, he looked he looked like he had played quarterback before. Gotcha. Which most times when he has a bad game, he looks like a fullback playing quarterback. <laughs> Let's move on. Tannehill back to throw. Under pressure. Moving up. Oh, head got hit from behind. The ball oh, comes yes. loose. Gets scooped up. Woo. Sam Hubbard runs it into the end zone, but there are two penalty flags near the ten yard line. That's holding on the Dolphins, Dan. <laughs> I hate when penalty flags ruin an otherwise fine touchdown call. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham, WCKY, with the call. Sam Hubbard scooped up that fumble, rumbled 19 yards for the clinching touchdown, rallying the Bengals from a 17-point deficit to win 27-17 over the Dolphins. Mark, was this a uh, was this more a spirited effort by the Never Say Die Bengals? Or a horrendous meltdown ah. by the we are who they thought they were Dolphins. I didn't realize that was Cincinnati's nickname to start, but they, they can adopt it at least for today. It is, to me, chapter two in a two-week story about the Dolphins that say there is no way to point to evidence that Miami knows how to close a game. Last week, they couldn't even get into a critical game against the Patriots, and you lose your confidence in them hanging around in the AFC outside of them, sort of an outskirt team. Today, you have, I think they were the first team sort of all year with a 17 nothing lead on, on Cincinnati that made the Bengals' offense look pedestrian, and they were handling their business until they utterly crumbled with their own mistakes on offense. Ryan Tannehill had a, a pass that sort of bounced off someone's foot when he was hit, so I don't want to put it entirely on him. But they, that turned into a essentially a fumble recovery for a touchdown. They melted down soon after with another 
with another fumble that got picked up and run in. I mean, the Bengals' defense, which has been lashed on the ground uh, week after week, this was their best performance of the year. And then Andy Dalton, you can't keep – the one thing Is about that this – Montez perfect? I think he, he certainly helped. No doubt he helped. But this, this Bengals' offense, which – you know, I, you could kind of feel this game turning because it's, it, even when you get this version of the of the Bengals today, where they not they were not last year's uh, iteration again, last week's against the the Falcons, you could feel them creeping in, and the Dolphins simply held the door open for Cincinnati to come back. And it was, I, if you're a Dolphins fan, an incredibly frustrating performance to watch. The second half was a team meltdown. So this was 17 to three going into the fourth quarter. Yes, 24 fourth quarter unanswered points by the Bengals, and it looked that way too. I mean, they, they went three and out, interception, lost fumble, interception, end of game on offense in the second half. And it's a strange little slice of the game, and you might say maybe it, it's not that big of a deal. When they were down 10, I watched that drive. Okay, you got you to gotta score quickly to try to you know either do an onside kick or kick off and use the timeouts. And the Bengals, the Dolphins are throwing two-yard passes behind the line of scrimmage on second down, and then they're taking then an interception the next play. And, like, they seem incapable, and this is a week-after-week week thing, whether they're winning or losing, of throwing to the sticks, of going down. The, they'll have two or three shot plays a game, and if they hit those, that's great. But even in a situation where you have to play fast, it's like they're still checking the ball down and, and not moving. To your point, the longest completion was a Kenyon Drake 22-yarder, right. which was a catch and run. They, they, it, Tannehill attempted downfield once or twice, not, and misfire, and it's this is their offense week after week. Speaking of Kenyon Drake, six carries for 46 yards. He got six touches in the rushing game. Frank Gore doubles him up in touches. I think Frank I Gore we is love, playing well. Like, we love Frank Gore. Right. I get that. Everybody loves Frank Gore, especially Greg, more than maybe he should be allowed to love a man. <laughs> but you can love a man as much as you want. Greg, don't don't take it that way, and don't turn it on me like that. But what I'm saying is, lots going on in your head without <laughs> me looking up. What I'm saying, Greg, is that why is Frank Gore doubling up on Kenyon Drake when that guy looked so great last year? When you're up 14 points in the third in the fourth quarter, use your running game. Try to salt away a win. I think they're using Kenyon Drake in in the passing game. <clears throat> like throwing to him in the backfield and out in the flats as an extension of the running game to some degree. Well, it didn't work. First place Sunday. Bengals, four and one. Best well, and they, they deserve it. They look, they look like a first place team. Let's move on. From the 42 yard line, Goff under center, Gurley behind him. He will sneak it, and he stumbles up to the 45, rides the surge to victory. The Rams are going to 5 0. JB Long, KSPN. <laughs> With the call. My neighbor. Your neighbor. Nice <laughs> man. He is a nice Long. Uh, Sean McVay's gutsy fourth down call paid off with a game-clinching first down rush for Jared Goff. The Rams got out of Seattle with a 33-31 win over a feisty Seahawks team. Todd Gurley rushed for three touchdowns, covering up for a less-than-dominant performance by Goff. Now in the studio, and it's been too long. And I'll tell you what, everything I see is right. Kevin Patra's back, baby. Kevin Great Patrick coming back at you. What's up, Kev? Fantastic to be here. Oh, it's been know. two years in studio. Two years. Two years. Wow. You're now married. I'm married now. Yeah, doing a lot of things. Anything else? What else is going on? Uh, that's it right now. You're Taking like, it one day at a time. You're like one of those characters in The Wire. You dropping that, interview cliches on us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're like a character in The Wire where it really pays off if you've paid close attention to our podcast for a long time for you to come back onto the show oh, yes. for two years. Especially a show that's not been on the air in four or five years. <laughs> um, 
It'd be great now if I set you up and the first thing you do is thank God for all the one. Right, for all the, all, all the good things he's given me in life. Upon. Uh, anyway, Patra, welcome back. Take us through that fourth down play because uh, it takes some major onions to make a move like that. Does it? Maybe. I thought it was pretty obvious. I was saying right away that he well, should. Well, where was, I was it? Tell, take us okay, through Okay, so it's, there's 139 remaining, fourth and one. Uh, the spot was a little short um, on Gurley's run on third down. So that was a ridiculous fourth and one. spot. Yeah, it was a, I, I thought it was game. a bad shot. I'm surprised they didn't review it, frankly. Uh, Two-point game, one, 139 left. He pulls in the punter, brings a punter in, then pulls him back out after a, um, a Seattle timeout, and he goes for it. And it was he made it by two yards. And you think was, that was gamesmanship, or did he change his mind, do you think? I think he did. The, he realized what the right move was to play for the win. Right. Once Carroll had used up his last yes. timeout, too. Yes. Like what's they're toothless mm. after that. And they, they they weren't they weren't throwing the ball that well. Uh, Russell Wilson was dominating on play action pass more than anything. So I think he had faith that his defense could get a stop, even if. But I think in that situation, I think that you have to trust that you're going to get one yard to win the game. The game's literally over after you get you also one get, yard. That's the thing is you. And I've already seen a lot of commentary like what does this say more about what he thinks about the defense no like no. you have two shots to win the game instead of one like you're if you don't get the first down you put your defense in a tough spot but they can go win the game for you too right well yeah. we see plenty of offenses that operate in fear this is just not one of them right. they they're ultra confident in what they can do and in that situation and any other and this was a back and forth game there were five lead changes the defenses weren't stopping anyone the the Rams didn't punt in the second half. They scored on their three drives, and then that fourth one, they went for it on fourth and one. They probably would have scored if there was more time in the game there, too. This, this is a bit of a war of attrition for the Rams. So this is their first real test of the season. Cooper Cup went six for 90 and, a, and one before uh, exiting with concussion symptoms. Uh, same thing happened with Cooks, who got knocked out. And you, you, you hate to see that because that's how his season ended last year with his arms doing the concussion thing. And you saw it. He did not return after he took a hit in the first half. So Goff, without two of his main playmakers, was not the same guy. But you still have Todd Gurley, and Gurley handled the business near the goal line. Yeah. Another big touchdown for Gurley. Three touchdowns for Gurley. He's the only guy in the league to score touchdowns in every game this year. I think that, well, moving forward, the question about Cooper Cup is huge because he plays a, hu- a big role for Goff in the red zone. And you could tell – once he was out in the second half, that, that he wasn't as confident in his other receivers to get open, mm. and they, they leaned on Gurley there, and against a better run defense, is, is it going to be enough? Because their red zone offense hasn't been pristine through, through five games. So their worst offensive performance of the season, they still go over 30 points, which means five straight games to open the season to go over 30 points, joining Peyton Manning's record-breaking 2013 Broncos, Tom Brady's 2011 Pats, Tom Brady's 2007 Pats, and the greatest show on turf Rams, mm. and this year's Rams. I Those thought, are the only five teams. I th- I personally thought Goff wasn't that bad. I think I thought he was pretty solid here. He was still finding guys wide open, running wide open. He was putting got- balls on guys. He it was a little shaky in the first half. The two picks weren't really on him. One got popped up in the air. The other was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half. I thought he played solid again. I, I-, I wouldn't take anything away from him. If you are dealing with some concussion issues going forward, their schedule lines up well for the Rams. You've got the Broncos and 49ers as your next two opponents. Ooh, that's nice. This loss, I think, really drove Pete Carroll a little crazy, and you can't blame him. This is such a big game. If you win this game, your season looks totally different. You run the ball like crazy on the on they the Rams, Chris Carson and Mike Davis. They're not even using their first-round pick. Uh, you score 31 points on the Rams, and you still – 
find a way to lose because of Carroll's defense. And, and after the game, he was furious about the DJ Fluker holding call. He, he wasn't willing to throw the officials under the bus, just saying like that call to him changed the game. Because if they had picked up a first down or two at that point in the game, under five minutes left, like they had the Rams and they'd been moving the ball and they couldn't get it done. I thought that was a, a I didn't think that was a bad call, frankly. I think he, I thought he held, held Sue pretty hard there. There was a few calls they didn't call earlier in the game. I mean, like you said, the, when the Seattle is running the ball, they're a completely different offense. Uh, and then we got some big shots. I mean, Wilson only completed 13 passes. And wow. most of them were way down the field. I mean, uh, Tyler Lockett had three catches for 98 yards. I mean, he was play-action bomb, bombs away was the offensive game plan. And it worked more of that. as well. Let's move on. Ben wants to air it out. There's a man open. It is caught. That's a touchdown. That's Antonio Brown at his best from 47 yards out. Alford looks at him and said, where'd you come from? Bill Hillgrove, WDVE with the call. Billy. Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown connected on two second-half touchdowns, and the Steelers uh, pulled away from the Falcons. 41-17, to yoinks. The Falcons, thought by many to be a serious NFC contender, including Mark and I. Yeah, I mean... Why am I even picking teams to go to the Super Bowl at this point? I feel like I've worked myself out of that equation. Uh, you should do what I do. Just don't don't involve yourself with those picks on the website anymore. Then you never look bad. That feels just, like a great move with our website in general, but I've got to do that at a <laughs> little bit, little bit by little bit. Dan. All right, uh, they're one and four now in deep trouble. Kevin Patrick, how do you feel about the Steelers after watching this romp? Well, I think that it, it boiled down to the run game in the first half that kept them afloat until Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger figured out their connection. They, they, those two struggled in the first half. Uh, ben was, I think, two for eight targeting Antonio Brown in the first half for 15 yards, and then the second half explosion. But the key to the game to me was James Conner churning out yards at a, a ridiculous rate, uh, 110 on 21 carries. He was the engine of the offense until the passing game. And then once the play action started working in the second half and Antonio Brown they could take some shots deep, but in the first half it was James Conner. I think he had se- he touched the ball at seven of the first eight eight mm. offensive sure. plays as they drove. The Steelers scored their first touchdown on the opening drive of the year. They're kind of showing you what they how much respect they have for Atlanta's defense at this stage in the season when they roll in so intentionally with Conner before even really unravel putting the passing game out there. Conner Conner's been a little hot and cold this season, but this is another 185 total yards. He helps them both in the receiving and the rushing game. Wes, we know the the report that came out last week about Lev Bell. I mean, how do you think this is, this is going to shake out? Because Connor is a player. He's not Lev Bell, but he's a player. I honestly have no idea. I mean, we can all guess. But if you're if you're in that locker room, do you want James Connor to be just a benched afterthought as soon as Le'Veon no, Bell comes I think back? He, I think he stays as a pretty good part of the offense, and Le'Veon Bell kind of gets his cake and eats it too. He doesn't get too much – uh, wear and tear on his body because James Conner is going to be taking some of his snaps, I, and I don't think Bell would mind that one bit. Mm. And Conner's your running back of the future. That's all it's. I'm, I'm curious. Ooh, Mark, you like that? <laughs> I did. I would be. I'd have a different look on my face had I. Wes. Oh, Wes. Oh yeah. Wes, five and zero. Oh. Five and zero. Oh. There we go. Great start to the season. Thanks, Chris. buddy. I mean, it feels ripe for a massive second half of the year tumble. This That's how this how these typically things- works. Yeah. So just you know, regression to the mean. Hashtag stay humble. Some teams go that's undefeated. A <laughs> Some teams go undefeated, he says. And it's happened before. I'm just saying that's in the range of possibilities. Uh, like regression I think, is. I think that with the Steelers able to run the ball, they put their their defense in a better spot today. They were mm-hmm. they were getting huge amounts of pressure on Matt Ryan, who looked terrible today. Uh, JJ or yeah, TJ Watt. I'm sorry, with three sacks that that actually looked like three sacks, not like Week One where they were 
three accidental sacks. Uh, <laughs> he called them accidental. I don't know about that. I mean, he stumbled into it. He was taking guns. a quarterback. Uh, I know what you're saying. They were scheme it. sacks. Or yeah. kind of. Uh, but I'm just saying, like this this week, they they got loads of pressure on Matt Ryan, and he he kind of crumbled. He looked terrible. He couldn't find a, any receivers open at all. He was throwing behind guys in the dirt. I mean, I think Wes put it uh, well on Friday. He mentioned that he was indoors for the last couple of weeks, and he goes outdoors. He looked like it looked like week one Matt Ryan out there. It's it, understandable why they're struggling, but this has to be the most disappointing season for any team. In absolutely. Fan base. Is there any? And I know, I know, I know. It's week. We're going into week six, and mathematically, almost anything on the planet is possible. But <laughs> I, at what point do we look at the Falcons and say, "I'm sorry, but the the, the, the formula is broken for this season"? They got to win a couple years, games in a row. Two weeks ago, not when that defense. Two weeks ago. Two Thank weeks you. Ago. I mean, it's it's been the same it's thing week yet, after though. week. One and four is understand. terrible, but. Win a couple games, all of a sudden you're probably in. in they just don't have the defense to do it. Probably not, uh, Erica. I gotta say, um, and I know you're not, you're not the electrician here, and I'm not feeling well, so you just have to bear with me. This light that's above Patra, it's flickering on and off. I feel like I'm in a saw sequel. What do we have to do here? What can we do? Um, <laughs> you know, I. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, probably is not in the electricians' union. As yeah, far as unfortunately, that's as sort as of out of my. Um, Who do my we have call. to bury? Is what I'm saying. I know. Someone. These are some of the methods I think that you know that George Bush the second would use to try to get information out of terrorists. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't now. even know what the first was doing. So. Is this part of Dan's ongoing fight with the building manager? Oh, that building manager. <laughs> He's a punk. All right, one more uh, game with uh, Kevin Patro and talk about your Lions. Let's do it. That's always fun. Let's go. Stafford's got the snap Thanks, back. Looks, looks, looks. Throws end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, baby, Marvin Jones had to lay off to haul it in, and he did it. Dan Miller, WJR with the call. Matthew Stafford threw t- two touchdowns. LeGarrette Blunt ran for two. Where you been, boy? Lifting the Detroit Lions to a 31-23 win over the Packers. Wes, the Lions have added a roller coaster first five weeks. And this is their second win against a premium opponent. Wait, the Packers are a pre- premium opponent, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. The, I don't Just checking because I don't know how good the Packers are playing this year. On balance. They, um, they were the more talented team. They racked up about 260 more yards than the Lions and still lost because they had a team-wide meltdown in the entire first half. Mason Crosby missed three field goals. Aaron Rodgers lost two fumbles. Uh, the rookie receivers couldn't separate it from the Lions' coverage. Uh, a really bad punt situation in which it hit. It may have hit the back of Kevin King, Packers cornerback, and then recovered by the Lions, like right at the goal line. It hit a lion first. It looked like it hit a lion and not Kevin King first. So it was an unfortunate thing for the Packers, but it was just one of those first halves where any mistake that seemed to, like it could have been made, the Packers made it. Patra. Yeah, I, I think the Lions lucked into another one here. This is, I mean, this is a team that hasn't didn't trail to Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady for one second of, a ga- of two games, but lost to the Jets, 49ers, and Cowboys. I, I mean, this is a, an eight and eight team that that's probably going to be six and ten at the end of the year. The, I, I thought that they just got lucky with a lot. I, I was calling the the, the Aaron Rodgers was going to come back. Uh, this whole the whole second I, half. I, feel like I thought as a it was Lions happening. fan. You're th- that's sort of just in the bloodstream at all times for you. I mean, it should have happened. Uh, uh, they they were there. They were right there to you make two plays. You were saying that plays. like at eight thirty in the morning before the game even started. So <laughs> you're not like, gonna you know. guess this by looking at the box score, but I thought the Lions receivers and cornerbacks outplayed the opposition. Um, their counterparts in Green Bay. Jimmy Graham 
whiffed on a couple of jump jump balls in the end zone. Devontae Adams was really the only wide receiver that impressed me in this game for for Detroit for Green Bay. And then Kenny Galladay was a monster Man. for the Lions. He had another 45-yard touchdown that was nullified by a Frank Ragnow penalty. He could have gone for about 150. And you just feel feet. like any one of their wide receivers in Detroit could go off at any time. And Marvin Jones not problem. having a good season. Right. I'm I'm wondering. Yeah, he makes like a couple great plays and misses a lot of. Gimmies. Like, why is the offense for the line? And I know they won this game and they put up points, but they don't even top 300 yards. I, I kind of am not understanding why their offense hasn't been very good this season. The Lions? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree because they have the wide receivers to do it. Uh, Stafford hasn't played as well. on Johnson left this game, I think, with an ankle injury, but said he was all right after the game. Um, I agree with you. Their offense should be better. And I think the fans are starting to get upset with Cooter. Yeah, well, I have one question for Greg. Who's the bloomers off the, the cooter, Rose? <laughs> the blooms off the cooter. Greg, you're very into the happenings in the desert. Um, the the, the play call, man, Dan Miller. Over under on Dan Miller's in the United States. I'm putting it at thirty two thousand. <laughs> Over uh, under. I'll take the under. Well, so G- Greg, your answer. I guess. I'm under. I mean, I no, it, it no seems basis. like there's no reference, but according to well, according to the internet, who knows how accurate this is? But there are forty, roughly forty eight thousand. John Smiths. So right, I think right, but that's the that's the most cliche basic name in the game. Dan Miller feels like what's the original part of that name? The first part of the last. It's like the, both kind of. Like uh, but is, you're a Dan, so you've got. This I, is subtle shade against my. No, first it's name. actually I honestly sure was not thinking right of your yeah. first name in this. But um, let me. We'll table that. Yeah, let's table, table that. that. Let's talk time. about the kicker situation. Mason Crosby. He's been there forever in Green Bay, since 2007, in fact, and he's had a nice career. He's got a ring. Uh, he's got the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and you, the reason you know that is because Aaron Rodgers spoke highly of his kicker after one of the worst games, even by a season that has been at times noted for terrible kicker play, one for five uh, and an extra point miss. So he misses four field goals and an extra point in a, in a game they lose by eight points. Here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about his kicker after the game. I think he's one of the greatest kickers of all time. Um, I've always said him and Robbie Gould, what they do in uh, the elements – over the years is, is uh, some of the finest kicking uh, that I've seen in my time. Um, obviously, he's disappointed. I don't think uh, he expected this. We have a ton of faith in him. He's done it for a long time, made some big kicks for us over the years. Um, they got to clean the operation up, and a snap hold, and then he's got to make them. So that was a major factor in this game as well. And some kickers are gone. They hit the street after a game like that. It sounds like Crosby is going to hang around. There's some history here. In 2012, he went through an extended yes, slump where he was working on his technique for a while, and Mike McCarthy stayed with him. Mm. Uh, and then he got a contract restruct or a contract new contract shortly after that. So yeah, they can they they love Mason Crosby. I think him mentioning Robbie Gould is instructive there as well because Robbie went through had one bad year in Chicago. They yeah. cut him loose, and then he's been great ever since. Yeah. So yeah, they I can, think that's instructive there. They can as well. just keep you know sticking with uh, this McCarthy. Mason Crosby combo I all the way to another first Greg. round exit. Give me a I break. knew this was coming. Well, how does Crosby get swept <laughs> up in that? <laughs> uh, Kevin Patrick, thank you thank for you. joining us. Uh, it's great to be you here. It. You did. You've said it all. You did it all. I've done everything I can do and more. And congratulations again on being a husband and soon a father. And your team winning. Are you Are you announcing information to me that I am not aware of? I have sources. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, <laughs> did you know that or? I, I have nothing to say at this point uh, beyond what I've already said. I hope you haven't triple sourced it because then I'd have more questions. <laughs> Kevin Patrick coming at you. Uh, let's hear from one of our glorious sponsors. Oh, the sponsors. Greg? 
Oh, wow. I'm up today. Indochino. I'm excited. Oh, sh First shit. ever second, ad read Greg. done while a We got to spill. I think we got to keep this in the show. Kevin Patrick doing his best Greg Rosenthal oh, there. Spilling no. a large jug of water on his laptop. We just had no, a water spill. No, that was me, spill. not Patra. I saw it close West up. West doing his best Greg Rosenthal. Uh, that was a water spill. Wes. Uh, Turn it off. Clumsily. Turn it off. Knocks over the water onto Patra's laptop, and this could be devastating. That's the the key is you have to turn it off immediately. This is the key. As long as possible. Head straight to you turn it off? Uh, just press, press Hold the off. button. No, you hold the button. Oh, this is so big. This is so big what's about to happen. It's like putting your phone in a bag of rice. Okay, it's off now. Keep it off for as long as you can. Now throw the laptop directly in the garbage can. <laughs> that is step two. <laughs> Do what Greg does and get a new computer by morning. I haven't had a new computer in years. Wes, let's 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 take uh, let's take your thoughts um, on this. Walk us through where you're thinking right now because obviously this is on you directly. I saw it with my own two eyes. You knocked the water directly onto Patrick's laptop. Your thoughts? It was a boneheaded mistake by me. I didn't see the water behind my laptop, and I pushed my laptop over to rejoin my seat, and uh, disaster ensued. And All my fault. And now I'll throw it to Greg. Greg, uh, you, you have a lot of experience in this field. You've lost several laptops in your career to water spills. Uh, what are you thinking right now? Is it good just to be on the outside looking in for once? Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this, the frantic nature of Wes. Clean. I've never seen Wes try to help someone else. This out is like an this. embarrassment for That's the an entire outrage, group. Greg. <laughs> this is embarrassing. All right, get to that ad read, Greg. Sorry we, about that. Are we really See, Patrick, you come help us out, and this is what happens. This is this is too long to Beeline it to IT. Go ahead, buddy. Um, I think everyone's disappointed because it delayed uh, this exciting Indochino ad read. Indochino Sorry, Kev. is the world's most exciting menswear company. They make suits. They make shirts. And the exact measurements to fit you, unparalleled fit and comfort. Oh. I know Dan Hansis could Imagine use that. that. All available, a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors, and now Indochino. You thought uh, you know, they weren't going to do it? They expanded into casual clothing with made-to-measure chinos. Oh, yeah, what an underdog story. People did not think it was going to happen. They're perfect for any time of year, any occasion. You can do boardroom meetings or Sunday brunches. Skip the football game. Just Don't go to brunch, it. wear some Indochinos. Don't need Available it. for an introductory price of only $7.99. Oh, that's 79 bucks. Big mistake there. <laughs> Better yet, this week, you can get uh, a special discount okay. using Indochino.com. You can get a premium Indochino suit for only $359 at Indochino.com. Use, use the enter code around. That's 50% off the regular price. Okay. Shipping is free. Use the uh, code around. It's over. All right. Let's move on. Kick Good is read. long. It's end over end. And this kick is good. Oh, he did it. He did it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Mick, I don't believe it. 63 yards. Is that Jack Dempsey? Is that the Fred Cox? Tom Dempsey. Tom Dempsey? <laughs> that is incredible. Who, <laughs> jaunty. Mick Mixon, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoke with the call. WBT. Graham Gano connected on a career-long 63-yard field goal with one second to play. Stunning the New York Giants. The Carolina Panthers win 33-31 at the gun. The kicker heroics wiped away a huge comeback by the Giants who trailed 14 points in the second half. Wiped that away. Took the lead, but still went down because Gano drilled it. He hit the net, people. Greg, 
Can we start by killing Carolina's clock management before the Gano miracle? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the result should change the fact that Ron Rivera and the offensive coaching staff too, and the Panthers completely botched the end of the game situation. They had 30 seconds to work with, and then they end up kicking a 63-yard field goal. But when you got a kicker like Gano, you can look good in the end. And in the end, Ron Rivera was saved also by his own Riverboat Ron uh, moniker and that sort of attitude, a fourth-and-one call with about 322 left in the game, which the Panthers absolutely needed. Cam Newton delivered a dime. It was an up-and-down game for both quarterbacks, big mistakes by both, big-time throws by both, but Cam Newton was ultimately better at the very end on that fourth down throw and then on the final drive getting the ball to DJ Moore and then Christian McCaffrey to set up the game winner. Dan and I went down to the lab and indulged in a little kicker talk this afternoon. Yeah, it was quite fun. We've decided that Graham Gano is number two in our confidence rankings mm. right behind. I mean, Justin Tucker, obviously the best kicker in the NFL, but if you've got the game on the line, Graham Gano's the second guy you would want. That's the guy. It's, it's a bit of a drop-off for me, but it's still – It's a no, huge drop-off. There's off. nothing wrong with the silver middle. Also, Pat, you get past number five in this list, and the drop-off to just a bunch of yes. average jabronis is quite steep. This was such a awful loss for the Giants, who ended that infernal uh, uh, streak of not scoring 30 points, and they did it with a comeback. They did it by um, – and, and a week after Odell Beckham ran his mouth and, and uh, led to more headlines uh, saying you know all sorts of things – I find it interesting that the Giants, you know, he is that team, and they are they are completely in deference to him at all times. I, I found it interesting that the 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 game after he mouths off, uh, not only does he get targeted a ton, which he should because he's Odell Beckham, but they also run a, a trick play that leads to him throwing a touchdown. Nice uh, throw. And he made he made the throw, and you can give that to him as well. But like. He is, it seems like, it's almost like they're held hostage by Beckham on some level. Um, and I don't want to kill him for it because I understand that he's speaking from frustration. Uh, but you, you get the feeling they're scared of him a little bit. I, I It almost feels like Pat Shermer being brought into New York, What part of the big responsibility was a course correction from last year's apocalyptic PR disaster where the Eli benching combined with all the Odell Beckham issues together made it one of the more inglorious giant seasons of our lifetime and <coughs> so Ray Shermer Hanley. comes in Since right exactly Shermer comes in and it's very deferential to Odell Beckham although I do like him sticking up for his player and not letting the media do more with that but then the Eli Manning side of it too it's like these are sort of some of the issues the Giants have right Odell now. Beckham isn't the one holding this franchise hostage no. <laughs> right. it's the quarterback and it has been for over two years and they messed up McAdoo was the first one to finally admit the quarterback's the problem and it, you called it a PR nightmare, but only because the Giants let the media dictate the story. And it was a PR nightmare because that city is different than any other, but it was too long coming to make that switch. And this is a game where Eli Manning hit some throws, certainly in the second half of this game, but he also had two ugly interceptions. So did Cam Newton, for that matter, but two really bad ones by Eli Manning in the fourth quarter before they end up going on this comeback run. I, I don't mind that they targeted Odell Beckham 14 times. Like, that's what Antonio Brown got this week. After no, that's what that's, I said. That's I, like the history of great receivers throughout history. I just think you there's a correlation. Yeah, you complain. And yeah. the offense did their job. Ultimately, the defense had about four different chances to get a stop against the Panthers, and they couldn't at the end of the game. I and mean, before, I, I know the root in this room enjoys kicking Eli while he's down. I just want to add also, before you say they blew it, Go watch what Saquon Barkley did in this game. And maybe, yes, maybe they should have drafted a quarterback this year, and, and they, they went with the kid. But that guy 
he has a transformative effect on that offense. And the touchdown that he scored to put them ahead, their defense let him down. And, and Gano, you got to give him credit for what he pulled off. The the kid is different and special, and I don't think that was a bad draft pick by them. I, ag- well, I agree that he's special, and the criticism of him through the first five weeks of the se- season have been head scratching. Just like watch the guy play. Right, he he is great, but it was still a bad pick because you could have taken a quarterback. It, we don't need to relitigate that every week, but you can point out that their running game is not good. So that's like a that's like a big factor. One of the reasons they didn't score in the first half of this game is because Saquon Barkley is getting negative run after negative run. That's largely the offensive line. He had a 30-yard run in this game. His other 14 runs went for 16 yards. So you're in a lot of long yardage situations where you throw the ball to Saquon Barkley, and that works out. But the running game's not any better really this year than it was a year and ago. I, I think he's not far from Ezekiel Elliott through the air, but that was the knock on Barkley coming into the NFL was that you're going to get that special long run that changes the game, but then you're going to get a cluster of, of short yardage runs and, too. And I don't want to talk in, in circles about the Eli situation, but it's like you can't let the running back off the hook because the offensive line sucks, but then kill the quarterback. And right. not, and, I'm not and letting not any let of it off, off the hook. I think it was a terrible pick. <clears throat> and right. and the, the Panthers have found – we should give them some credit. They found different ways to win. I'm not really sure what this Panthers team is yet. They haven't been do- dominant on offense, but they're 3-1. and one. Ooh. 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 Mark? I am not 3-1 and one in the locks, but I have gained another win Well done. by correctly diagnosing this affair. Do you guys want to see hear the uh, Spanish language call? Please. It's always fun. Is Let's it by Dan to Miller? Graham Gano with the Spanish language call. By the way, no different than the call of the overthrow coup d'etat of Bolivia. <laughs> but hey, yes. take note, whites. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Snap is good. The hold is down. Housley's got plenty of leg. It is up. And it is good. It is good. And the Buffalo Bills win it. They knock off the Tennessee Titans. Steven Hauschka, a 46-yarder. The Bills win it 13-12. to House money indeed. Well, <laughs> John Murphy, good calls today. Mark that one, WGR. Stephen Hauschka hit a 46-yarder as time expired. The Bills, a 13-12 upset win over the Titans on Sunday. Mark, the Bills have now sandwiched a shutout loss to the pack with big wins over the Vikings and Titans. Sorry, the Titans. Yeah, it's an example that for a big chunk of teams in this league, whoever we're super excited about tonight, fast forward seven days from now, we're going to be thinking completely different because what Tennessee did against the Eagles, for me, took them to a whole new level in terms of how I saw that team and what's going on. I don't think that's necessarily untrue, but it's the example of, uh, oh, here come the Bills. And that little mysterious win over the Vikings had nothing to do with their team or this football season except that Jerry Hughes and this defensive front seven absolutely dominated the Titans during large sections of today's game. So in many ways, it was like that Vikings win. And it's it, this defense in Buffalo is, if you're going to roll in there, it's you're going to have to deal with this because your, your quarterback, Josh Allen, threw for 82 yards, had a wonderful scramble for a touchdown that only Josh Allen can kind of do. 
But their offense is outside of what I thought the one uptick for Buffalo today that helped them down the stretch and helped create this win was that we finally saw LaShawn McCoy, but also Chris Ivory. And it's not the most mind-blowing box score, but they had a couple big runs that moved the sticks and sealed this victory down the stretch from a Titans team that could not get out of its own way. I feel like the past three years of this podcast has been us occasionally getting excited about the Titans and then Dan being undefeated in his skepticism of them coming off a big win. Show it to me for like two or three straight weeks, and they never do. Yeah. This felt dangerous, this game. We talked about it as a trap game yeah. on Thursday. They got another big game coming up next week. And they this is – you can't – if you want to be taken seriously in the AFC, you don't go to AFC – you don't go to Buffalo and score 12 points and lose. The, the, it's a, a different receiver every week drops – uh, a perfect pass from Mariota that could change the game. Nick Williams did it today on the goal line, a deep throw that probably would have put this game out of reach just the way the offenses were, but he, he dropped it. And the Titans are just one of those teams. I, I think I, I counted, depending on what happens Sunday night, more than half of the league is going to have two or three losses. So it's like there's 19 teams in the league, 18, 19, depending on how it goes. That It's like it depends on how you want to look at it. They're just in this big fat middle where there's been some good. It's like the Packers, the entire NFC North other than the Bears, the entire AFC East. It depends on how you want to look at them. It, depending on the week, they could be 0-5 right now or 5-0. Or it's ridiculous. I do like this Bills defense. I think that like they're not they're not complete. They're not entirely complete, but they're they well also coached. don't show up every week. They, they don't show up every week. week. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to diagnose them. Also, but if you thought at five weeks in that they would have dominated the Titans and Vikings, you'd say this is not and as bad. And did a good job against the Packers. Really, they've played well three straight weeks. They didn't start out the, the season. Packers have four hundred something yards. Against That's them. about as as. In today's NFL, anytime you can hold a team to 22 points, especially when you have no offense, I'm just saying they're I mean, competitive. They held them to 22 points because the Packers receivers dropped deep balls that would have given them like 35 points. Uh, quick aside, Greg, has nothing to do with this game, uh, but um, an update on a, a comment by James Lofton that caught your ear and certainly caught mine today. Yeah, do we have a clip? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, you're going to have to help me out here. I can't it was about a like show or a movie ago. or something? Uh, James Lofton. I live in a perpetual present, and after that, it's all just to the wind. James Lofton said on the airwaves today that he uh, he has watched the pilot for God Friended Me not once, but twice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I should have remembered that that was (laughs) the most memorable part of this game. Uh, That. Well, James Lofton wasn't doing this game. I don't know. They he said he was in the he was in the hotel, I believe, and they were showing a replay. So he had saw it the first time around. He's in the hotel Saturday, just killing time. You got to watch God Friend and Me again. Saw that pilot a second. Time. What is God Friend and Me? It's a high concept comedy on uh, CBS's uh, primetime block uh, this season. Okay. About a man who starts getting uh, friend re- gets friend requested by God himself. Seems believable. And then um, I believe starts getting friend requests from other people that need his help. Sounds like willing suspension of disbelief might be an issue for this show. There's been a hole for me ever since Scorpion went off the air. And I think God friend of me has got a shot. And James Lofton is opening the door for me to walk on through. I cannot think of there are 10,000 other things I will do before tracking this television show. So a deity sent this man a friend request. Uh, Uh, Yeah. God himself. People get paid to come up with these concepts. Let's right. move on. You're getting paid a lot. <laughs> this is to win it. Snap is back. Ball down. The kick on the way. Line drive. The kick is good. good. With two seconds left in overtime, the Browns have won it. A line- 
and the Browns beat the Ravens in well, overtime, wait. 12 to 9. The officials are telling the players to get off the field. I don't know what. I think the Ravens were offside, uh, Doug. Yeah, I do too. That is the ball game. That is okay. the ball game. Don't rain on my parade, <laughs> Doug Deacon. Another good one. Nice. God's a Brown fan, folks. Jim Donovan, WKRK up with the call. Greg Joseph, the rookie kicker, 37-yard field goal. That kind of knuckled just over the crossbar. It was tipped, right? No, I don't know. How could that not be tipped? It had to be. Anyway, it went over, and it gave the Browns a 12-9 win over the Ravens. Greg, this was the Browns' first win on a Sunday in years. It wasn't pretty, but they proved once again that no matter the opponent, they will compete, and sometimes, yes, they'll win. Yeah, against a team that looked about as good as any team in the AFC going into this week, I am just taken by their two draft picks. You know, you have two picks in the top five. They've blown so many draft picks over the years, and they won this game because Baker Mayfield was able to withstand a ton of pressure from the Ravens and kept throwing. Wasn't all perfect, but a lot of the things he does are just like next level. The good plays that he makes are so good that you really start believing and the way that he competed throughout the game despite all that pressure. And then Denzel Ward, who a lot of people really picked on uh, and has been in the right place at the right time sometimes, but had a great interception on the goal line, blocked a field goal, and then had some key pass deflections and did a great job in coverage uh, against Michael Crabtree for the most part. And Crabtree had a, had a disastrous game for, for the Ravens. And you just see the future here for the Browns. 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and they could be 5-0. and oh. That Ward pick, I'll never forget because this happens so often with any team that struggles and people have these preconceived notions about the front office being a total disaster. When they passed on Bradley Chubb for Denzel Ward in our newsroom, this collective sigh of groans as if sun, as, as if instead of journalists and writers and reporters and a bunch of television people, the room is actually filled with 200 actual NFL scouts that know anything at all. And you find out that instead they pick someone who fits perfectly into the defense and has been a difference maker in every single game for him. He also blocked a kick himself today that w- that was in, a game-changing turn of events for second block kick for justin tucker you boy in yeah i know it wasn't his bad in in defense of the newsroom in the past no. 10 years every time the browns have done something unconventional it was the wrong move they will they're all constantly but that's just they're, the they're constantly in defense of themselves so they right. that's that's a non, i mean that is you know. they they earned that reputation but what they're doing now is they're they're making picks that don't go the wrong way and you look at their number one pick last year miles garrett and you look at Denzel Ward and you look at Baker Mayfield, uh, no longer will people just assume they're blowing it. They just need to hit on a couple of these, and that's what they're starting to do, it looks like. They transformed the franchise with those two picks. And the Browns went from being, in the first week or two in my mind, one of the least watchable teams to now I'll probably go home and immediately put on this game on Game Pass because I want to see what Baker Mayfield does. Certainly wasn't, you know, the most entertaining throughout. Obviously, you know, 12-9 to kind of speaks for itself. But the way that their defense has competed week after week, and I know last week wasn't wasn't their best week, but for the most part, Greg Williams is getting good play out of a lot of different players. Jamie Collins had a big day today. I thought Jabril Peppers made a difference. And there were about four different times the Ravens had a chance to go win the game. They had the ball in a good spot, and you figured that's where the Browns were going to lose. And for the most part, they punted. Michael Crabtree 
essentially dropped a throw that was a little too hot and a little too high from Joe Flacco that would have won the game for the Ravens at the end. It. So the Browns got a little fortunate. I feel like the Browns had been a little unlucky on some of their losses. This one, they maybe got a little lucky, and it all evens out. They're probably where they should be. They're a 2-2-1 two, two, and one team. And I wouldn't be concerned if for Baltimore's side of it. Their own defense, which I think came into the game allowing like 2.3 points per game in the second half, Nearly did the same today, and they are completely one of the better defenses in the AFC. That's three overtime games to the Browns in the first five weeks. It has been a roller coaster, but you're getting dubs, Mark. You got two dubs now. I think if you come, if you looked at the beginning of the year and said you're two, two, and one, you couldn't have asked for anything more for a team that had no idea how to win a game. I was a little over bit nervous. You tied with the Steelers too, and you're in Mayfield's delivered those two wins. I was a little Mayfield's bit nervous, theater. Mark, when you were watching the the game, and I was thinking about if they if they don't win this game. How will the podcast go today? So on that level, I mean, also, don't I have practice of attempting to do a somewhat, uh, you know, put together show amidst defeats? <laughs> I feel like there's a vague track record attached. To I'm that. just saying the show it is makes better an for impact it. sometimes, though. I know, but it's like I it, it, listen. I mean, I don't know what to make of this either. It's all bizarre. So. <laughs> there, there's a lot of like by the <laughs> Mark somehow annoyed Sorry. by the uh, no, the win. Not annoyed. Uh, <laughs> is I want to ask. A, there's been a lot of kicker talk. Yeah, week. a lot. Always could important important position. Could the Browns be the rare team with a little foresight to cut a kicker after a game-winning field goal? Because let's face it, I that guess was, my question was, would be that for kick who? was terrible. He missed a Kai point after. And you're a not talking about harder. you're not talking about the coaching staff to do something like that. But Hugh, Hugh, by the way, and this could be wrong, but he was a bad after, after he hits the field they goal, they need a game manager. You know, they need to bring back Sashi to do Sashi. be a special game management consultant. After he hits the field goal, Hugh is holding up two seconds, letting everyone know that the overtime's not over yet. <laughs> it's like, Hugh, the game's <laughs> over. Yeah. But. No, it's, it's, that's not been in Cleveland anywhere close to his skill. All right, let's move on. Good win, Mark. Crowell has room. Nice cut by Crowell. Crowell chewing up yards down the sideline. Isaiah Crowell could go. Touchdown, Jets. 77 yards. Oh, yeah. Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts, who, by the way, I have to say, quite enjoyed their work today. And in general. Solid crew. The I bird and the beard. The bird and the beard are one of the best play-by-play Ian color Eagle combos. Ian Eagle has been celebrated both in the studio and out on the town by some of us. Do not badmouth Ian Eagle in front of Mark Sessler. Isaiah Crowell, the former Brown and um, male booty wipe spokesman. Ran for a franchise record 219 yards. What? Including that 77-yard touchdown. And Sam Darnold threw two touchdown passes to Robbie Anderson, including a 76-yarder. He threw three touchdowns overall. The Jets snap a three-game losing streak, 34-16 win over the Broncos on Sunday. Um, Talked about it in the preview show. Needed to see something. From the Jets, needed to see something from Jeremy Bates, the offensive coordinator, and most importantly, needed to see something from Sam Darnold, and uh, that's definitely what you got here. Uh, a really, a really promising uh, effort from Darnold, who again looked like a guy that was poised and could make throws. The second touchdown pass uh, to Anderson was right before the half. Chris Wessling, when you fire up your game pass. You're going to say to yourself, that was one of the prettiest throws of the this week. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. And uh, and and my other takeaway from this game, gentlemen, is so nice win for the Jets. They they, they kind of put out the fire and 
get to hit reset on this, and, and the schedule is a little for, forgiving for them. So they got a chance to stay in contention here. But on the Broncos side of it, you know, rest in peace, no fly zone. Uh, rest in peace. Whatever whatever um, uh, ideas you had about this being a defense that could win a Super Bowl or, or be get even close to the Super Bowl 50 defense, this was an embarrassment for Vance Joseph, for John Elway, for Von Miller, who was held without a sack for the third straight game. To, for everyone on that field, uh, when you let the Jets, a team that had scored 41 points in the previous 13 quarters, roll up over 500 yards on you. When you let Isaiah Crowell drop a deuce on you, well, no, <laughs> poor choice of wording, but 200 yards. When you let – you even had another guy. Needs those daddy wipes. Or yeah, he needs the daddy wipes. Billy Powell went for 100, and then he got pulled back and went, finished with 99. I mean, this was a, a abhorrent effort on defense. Where do you go from here? Because Case Keenum's not bailing you out. Name a more disappointing unit in the NFL than the Broncos' defense this year. And that means – that's Van Joseph's, Vance Joseph's specialty. He's, his butt's got to be hot, right? I feel like Todd Bowles yes. passed yes, the hot butt baton be. on to Vance Joseph at the end of this game. So now you take <laughs> oh, it. So yeah, he physically did do it. Yeah. The hot butt bowl. I mean, Vance yeah. is like, really? And and uh, and Todd is like, yeah, man. He's like, gotta, I'm sorry. Take the baton, man. Well, they both Just were like, almost. Here. Yeah. Sorry. John Elway admitted. No hard feelings. <laughs> John Elway admitted basically to – you know, considering firing Vance Joseph at, after, at the end of last season. They hemmed and hawed before announcing that he was returning. So there was a thought there. And this, this quote from Derek Wolf, who is a leader on that defense, would concern me if I'm Vance Joseph. He said, we tried to regroup this week. We tried. We had great energy in practice, great energy. Started the game hot. Something, something much deeper is happening here that I can't even really understand. Ooh. Well, and you don't even know what that means. Well, you're pointing, you're pointing good. up you're right. Buffalo Springfield on us. Something's happening here. <laughs> Something's happening here. What it is ain't exactly Ding. clear. Like I'll often critique our company with a vague comment like that, and it's always pointing upward at management figures. I, you know, <laughs> what a weird on your radar. <laughs> Jets are having a weird season. They Very rushed for strange. 323 yards out of nowhere. Very strange season. Corral, who's a, a nice player. Um, he'll do but, this, not this, but he'll do this version of a, I mean, twice I, a year. It's a good backfield. I can't figure that guy out. 15 for 210 he runs for. They've run and well. he runs hard, and he even showed some speed. Uh, I don't think Crowell's a great player. That's why I'm a little bit perplexed by how incredibly he looked in this game. But you cannot say enough about how poorly Denver played. In case Keenum, his numbers look a lot better uh, than he played as well. Uh, this team just has issues. Uh, the Broncos could be in a little bit of trouble. Let's move on. Here comes the blitz. Rivers fumbles the snap, yeah, gets guy. it out quick to Eckler. He's at the 45, cuts inside 40, 35, 30. Eckler working the left sideline to the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers. Ooh-wee. Matt, Money, Smith, the voice of the Around the NFL podcast with the call for KFI. Austin Eckler made just one catch on Sunday. He made it count. 44 yards, catch and run, put the Chargers ahead for good. A 26-10 win over the hapless Raiders. West. This was a home game in name only for the Chargers, who had to contend with thousands of silver and black supporters storming the StubHub Center. But this bad Raiders team needs a lot more than loud fans. This was not an even matchup. The Chargers are just, to me, a much better team with a much more reliable offense and a quarterback who's been on fire this year and nobody's really paying attention. And you can count on Eckler and Melvin Gordon going for 202 TDs just about every single week. Hmm. On pace right now, at least going into the week, to top Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara as the most They're still on pace. Wow. To, uh, of any duo ever. And a lot of that is through the airwaves. And I think Phillip Rivers is 
you know, he's down a couple receivers. Travis Benjamin's gone right now. Hunter Henry's gone. They say through the airwaves. I like that. Through the airwaves. Nice. I like that. Signal like a radio. Yeah, yeah I know that. That was nice. He, uh, you know, he he's like an old guy with the you know the no, antenna uh, on his TV. <laughs> the airwaves. Martavis Bryant leads the Raiders <laughs> with 91 yards. Also had another backbreaking mistake. This guy has a mistake waiting to happen every single week. He had a fumble that really. It was a big play in this game. And Derek Carr had another backbreaking interception in the red zone. One too. He's right. playing right now with two rookies tackles too, and it's not it's not great for him. Well they there's there's Raiders fans sending out this stat of what they what they've done when they're at fourth and when they're at the one yard line and they don't hand it to Marshawn Lynch. Like this is the second turnover, I believe, and then they had another failed play where they went to a fullback this year. You know, when they're on the goal line they they tried to throw the ball on first and goal, and, and that's just a killer interception. What are they doing? First and goal, Marshawn Lynch is running like he's 26 years old, and you do a play-action pass with a mistake-prone quarterback, and the throw was just miserable as well. It makes, Picked off by a linebacker. It makes what Oakland did last week even more mysterious because one thing I kept hearing is I, was, I had a tracking a different game, that they just looked so unprepared as a complete overall team, which – we just talked about another one in the AFC West that's the same way, but Gruden is apparently on this 10-year thing where he can do no wrong. I, I see some It's wrong a talent-efficient team as well, but, yeah, it just seems like Well, he also ships some of the talent out of the building, but fair enough. How about the Chargers getting above 500 in October? You know, it's been about four years, four or five years since they've had anything – resembling That's, a halfway I mean, we're calling start. them the most talent I'm just team saying in the AFC, so been, thank you for getting there. Right. Hey, they've been are you playing, feeling good about your charges, Greg? They've been playing from behind every season, you know, fighting uphill. Three and two is about as good as it gets for them. Just, just when you think you're feeling good about them, Caleb, Caleb Sturgis missed another kick in the game. got to get rid of him. Let's not hand out any lollipops yet. Let's go to Cleveland next week and, and win a game, win a football game. Guys, guy. That's a fun Browns game. Team. Let's throw like a good month together and yeah, like about, win four straight. How about after you beat the Browns, you come home and you got the Titans? Don't have your special teams be a debacle. And have, a your, month. have your fans actually fill up that building with the Titans. I mean, that's win a football a game. Much. Yeah, I, I like their chances better when they're on the road. How about go to Seattle then? Legion of Boom. Whatever it used to be. Gone. Go win another ball game. Get to six and two, Greg. I mean, okay. I'm down. All right, let's move on. Greg's responsible <laughs> for the Chargers now. Rosen under center, barking out the call takes. It's play action. Rosen setting up with time. Looks deep. Fires deep. Got a man wide open inside the 30. It's caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Josh Rosen with a strike. Caught by Kirk. Rookie to rookie. Dave Pash, KTAR with the call. Josh Rosen, 75 yards to Christian Kirk on the Cardinals' first play. From scrimmage, Cardinals used five takeaways to finally get a win. The last NFL team uh, to get out of the uh, winless column. They beat the Niners 28-18. to Mark Sessler. Yes. Tell us more about this incredible affair. Um, a tough watch to the point where I don't think any Cardinals fan would would disagree. Right? People, I had Cardinals fans tweeting me saying, I, I've been a lifelong Cardinals fan. This is a this team. I struggle to enjoy what's happening here. But you do. I do think you saw a couple throws by Josh Rosen where you see how incredibly accurate can be with he. The, the touchdown throw was beautiful. He also is dealing with a lot of drops. This offense is out of sync. They still don't quite have the David Johnson experience of years past. Nothing close. And this game to me was Chandler Jones on defense dominating. Could I dominating. be any more dominant? That's how dominant he was. He was great. Is that a Chandler this, Bing ref? 
Is that to say? I'm, I don't. I don't. I'm not a completist of that show. Where are you pulling the quote from, Dan? Nailed it. Thanks. I don't know. This Niners team. I I feel for them because they're so banged up. Like. Breida goes out, Matt Breida goes out, and right away Raheem Mostert comes in, fumbles, Patrick Peterson picks up the ball, runs 43 yards with it, David Johnson scores after, and you just can't really figure out how the Niners are going to climb back in. It's it's an offense that runs through Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle. I love I love Kittle, but like... Love me some George but Kittle. But there's just not a, a, any much else going on. And yet they dominated the game and blew it because they turned the ball over five times. They had... I don't feel they dominated this game. They had 33 first downs to 10 no, Greg for Arizona. It just Greg doesn't, said. I'm just it saying doesn't look that way, though. When you watch okay. this, but I... I Mark, it, Greg said it was dominant. It, it was just two teams that, to me, feel like they're going through the motion. I'm saying a, a team won a game with 10 first downs. That is tough to do. It, you, I, I bet... I would love research to look up how many teams have had 30 first downs in over 90 plays and lost the game. Like, that is hard to do. They had 92 plays to 49. And at, wow. this, at the same time, Shanahan was absolutely fuming after halftime. I mean, he couldn't have been less happy with his offense. So I, I'm not sure that quite plays out to the numbers Yeah, you, there. you turn the ball over five times, you don't get a turnover. It's going to be tough, tough to win in the NFL. Uh, and now a word from our sponsor, Ooh. Chris Wesley. We men are terrible at taking care of our health. Whether it's a new injury, a bad back, something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I know in my recent past, look, I let cancer grow inside of me for months before I went to see a doctor. Ooh, it happened. The same is true. That was nice personal testimony. That was They nice. baked in very organically. Yeah, they wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> the same is true for you erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% Uh-oh. of guys who experience ED don't even get treated for it. Mm. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, ah! Exactly. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms. There are no awkward face-to-face conversations or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com around, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that mo- most guys don't tackle. But with Roman, it's easy to take care of. For a free online visit, go to Roman.com around. That's GetRoman.com slash around for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash around. Nice boner talk, Wes. Thank you. All right. Find a nickel for every time I heard that. You're going to throw to Sunday Night Football, but before we do, I'm going to head out. Well, I'm going to head out. I'm not feeling well. Can we just point one thing out? Yeah. You've been a real warrior, but I'm sure this is not news to you, but I just want to read a couple paragraphs about – you know, you've been Mr. LaCroix drinking your little LaCroix drink for weeks with your little straw, and then suddenly in the news we find out, I'm just going to read the copy that came through the wire, that LaCroix is in hot water after a new class action lawsuit claims the Lux drink brand has been falsely advertised as 100% natural. The suit alleges that LaCroix water contains numerous artificial ingredients like linalool, which is found in cockroach insecticide. So I would just say as you heal up, maybe chill on your little Lux drink. Yikes. Uh, Why are you so mad, Mark? Wait, I, because <laughs> I don't like him getting sick based off of this trendy 
like oh you're, bl- car- this you're trendy blaming beverage. the sickness on on the Lacroix. One hundred percent. Doesn't it have some carbonation in it? Mm. Yes. I mean, how West could should, that be natural? Wes should be the one that's upset. He's the one who got stuck uh, reading the ED ad because it was Dan sick. <laughs> did, I, did a great job. Tough, tough tough spot. It's job, just Wes. an ad. You did a great. Um, all lies, baseless, and um, <laughs> haters gonna hate. And I, uh, I stand by Lacroix. Hmm. During this time where there people are testing them, once you get to the top of the mountain, you know what happens. People are trying to knock you off. What if they try to bring you into the class action suit and say we'll give you maybe fifty grand to turncoat here? Absolutely. Okay. I will join that fight. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, see you later, guys. I'll be back with the rest of you for the Tuesday night, Tuesday Twitter show, and all the fun stuff. But I have to get home and recuperate. Not feeling well. Get let's better. get to let's get to Sunday night football. Watson throws, caught. This is Hopkins into Dallas territory on his feet. Look at that. A a whirling dervish to the 27-yard line. That is unbelievable. Larry Fitzgerald-like in the clutch when it matters most, making brilliant catches and an even better run. DeAndre Hopkins with the 49-yard catch and run, one of the plays of the year to help the Texans take the win over the Cowboys, 19-16, set up a 36-yard field goal by Kaime Fairbarn. What a name. What a name. Is that right? I have no I idea. think that's right. In the, battle, in, in the Battle of Texas. Like, I don't know if you guys heard this game was played in Texas. We were all so impressed with that play. It might have been, like, the best reaction we've ever had during a Sunday night football game in this studio. I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins is basically like, I have dinner reservations for 14 in 41 minutes. We're getting out of here. And he just rumbled down the field. And this is a guy that also knocked down the ball in the end zone on Dak Prescott's last-ditch Hail Mary attempt in regulation. I mean, it showed everything Hopkins is great at. Just plucking the ball out out of the sky, two of the best hands in the in the league, and we were talking Wes about how yeah he's been your guy DeAndre Hopkins for a long time, and at this point it's like you don't really even talk about him that much because everyone knows DeAndre Hopkins is great, but it's still nice to see a game like this on national television and remind everyone. I'm disappointed that none of us have made the Larry Fitzgerald comparison before Collinsworth did because the vice grip hands, the physicality the acrobaticism to make plays on the sideline and in the end zone, and then that won't-be-denied play looks like Larry Fitzgerald's playoff run, you know, that legendary playoff run. I mean, this guy, Hopkins, that's an all-pro play because he's an all-pro player. My one concern with this game and just sort of the blueprint of what the Texans seem to be, I thought they they, they sort of woke up from their season-long sleep against the Colts last week, and we saw some of that continue tonight, but... I, I, Deshaun Watson, who was it appeared banged up late in this game and was being looked at on the sideline, there's still just too many plays where he's being exposed to not just a hit from one guy, but two or three guys slamming him at this, from different directions at the same time. I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. It seems a little unsustainable to me. Some of that's on him. Most of it's on the offensive line. Some of it's on the coaching staff for putting him in harm's way. Five times they got inside the five in tonight's game, and only one of those did they score a touchdown, which is preposterous. So they should have won this game well before overtime. And and as tough as that was to watch him getting hit, though, you also think, like, this is why you love Deshaun Watson. Our games like the last two weeks, that sort of toughness and the ability to make the plays at the end of the game when they needed it. They have some identity to their offense when, when it's going well, where I, I still watch the Cowboys, and I, outside of Ezekiel Elliott doing Ezekiel Elliott things here and there, 
tonight was impossible to watch. They're, they're, they're receiving core, and who they have out there as targets for Dak Prescott. I mean, you don't want to talk about sustainable issue. That's an issue that they are not going to solve this season. I think we looked up at one point in the fourth quarter, and all their receivers combined had 29 yards for the game. Mm. I mean, that's a problem. I am giving myself a pat on the back right now for waiting. Not a new habit around here? No, not at all. For waiting this long before tearing into Jason Garrett for that decision in overtime to punt the ball on fourth and one when you're across midfield with under four, five, four minutes left in overtime. And I do think there's times of the season when you have to decide as a coach, what kind of team are we going to be? What, are we a team that can try to run the ball on fourth and one with one of the most expensive offensive lines in the league, with one of the best running backs in the league, in on a play where all we need is a yard and we increase our chances of winning exponentially? Or are we going to be the team that punts and plays for the tie? It's that's, mad- the t- that's the team that Jason Garrett is saying he wants to be. It's maddening when you see Sean McVay go for fourth and short in his own territory and Jason Garrett won't even do it past the 50-yard line in overtime. With Ezekiel Elliott. With right. Dak, by the way, with Dak Prescott, who is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league to take down and one of the best runners. You can't come up with a play to, to get a couple yards. And if you get stopped there, you know what? Your defense can try to make a play. It's, it's okay to well, let them try to win in that spot too. The arrangement in Dallas, because I think that Jason Garrett is essentially one of the family if you're in the, the right. Jerry Jones group, that – Year after year, man. we know who Jason Garrett is, and right. I, I, he's not. I, I don't think he's nearly as bad as some say, or nearly as good as others say. But he he is perfectly content. But to that play, play for put, the tie. That play puts the Cowboys in the have-nots at coaching. Absolutely. When you see, you see some of these teams like Doug Peterson started last year. The teams that embrace analytics and understand you have to go for it in that situation. Well, and and a trickle-down effect to the team. I I think they they want him to go for it in that spot. And just knowing your team, it's not even so much, not even just the analytics where it's obviously the smart move, but just knowing what's the strength of my team. What are we all about? If we can't get a yard, we don't deserve to win. I think he just liked being 500 because Jason Garrett in Dallas is like to me, 500 personified. And he thought, okay, I can ride this out another week, get to two, two and one. Maybe we can end up seven, seven and two. That's like my, I just would like to see some accountability for it because you're to your point about the line and the money poured into one of the best running backs they've ever had. I I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, a lot of money poured into uh, Sunday night football, and we got a good one this week. It ended we did. up waking up in the end. Some big hits. And, and Jalen Smith, I feel so happy for that guy, what he came back from, and now he's one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. And now both teams are two and three. It feels like half of more than half of the NFL right now has two or three losses, and so throw these into the pile. It's good to see the Texans back in the mix. One last thing. I mean, this is the second game in a row where I think Jadevian Clowney has played lights out, mm-hmm. and him and Watt do. They always say it, oh, they make a difference. They, they, are, they, they completely had put their marks on this game. And I, and I almost forgot one last thing uh, I'm going to get from our producer right here. That was a oh, lock yeah. for Dan Hanses. He's out. He's so good at hosting. He's locking up games even when he's not in the building. So <laughs> it's a special skill. Congratulations to him. I think uh, that's it. We, we should get going, shall we? Let's do it. All right. For uh, a cast of thousands, for Erica Tamposi, loose cannon behind the glass, for Cam Molina, for the sizzler, for the mailman, for old Dan Hanses, see you Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Come. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.